It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome one, welcome more, welcome all to a brand new edition of everybody's favorite podcast. Random thoughts and best regards. He used to reside in the 5-2. Now he spends his time at the truly beautiful intersection of smart and stupid. Some call him the handsome one. You know him, you love him. He's the voice of reason, T-O-double-D. All right, what's the good word? Welcome in to another edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. How is everybody doing? I hope well. I hope well indeed. Uh, So real quick at the top, let's go ahead and follow up on my sneakers, right? Because I told you guys last week, on last week's episode, I went ahead and uh, ordered some sneakers from the Nike app, and it was my first time doing that, and I was anticipating them arriving this week. And uh, if you remember, I got the uh, Nike Renew basketball sneakers. Um, They came in this week, and I got to tell you, extremely, extremely happy with them. Uh, They look great. They feel great. Let me tell you, these things are so light, uh, but yet so comfortable and supportive. Like the sole, I don't know how to explain it. And I guess maybe this is a technology, you know, I questioned why so many more basketball shoes are going to, to low top, just because I come from a generation where we played, yes, I'm old. I come from a generation where we played in high tops. We, we played high top Jordans. We played in you know high top Reebok pumps, um, Carl Malone catapults. What, whatever the case may be, we came from a generation where we had high top basketball sneakers. That was just the way it was. Air Force Ones, flights—they were all high tops. Um, in the years that I've been doing the City Beautiful Invitational, um, we've noticed Sal and I, my broadcast colleague, and he's appeared on the show a couple times, uh, more than a couple times, like all the time. Uh, but we've noticed that the younger generation is playing in low tops and I've never quite understood that um, because I just thought about you know the ankle all the time anyway not to get too far off track I think I'm beginning to understand why because the technology in the sole of the shoe is so supportive that I I think it really helps to stabilize your ankle Um, it's kind of hard to explain I'm I'm not a doctor um, and if we did a study on this maybe maybe people would roll their ankles all the time in these shoes I'm not really sure Um, but whatever the case may be, uh, these shoes feel great. That's that's the crux of the story here, uh, and I'm very happy with them. Um, I love them, to be honest. I love them so much. Here's a funny story. Uh, Ricardo, who will actually be on uh, next week's show, which would be a very special edition of the show. Uh, it will commemorate the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, uh, and Ricardo, for those who don't know, is a 9-11 survivor. Uh, So he will join us next week for a very special episode to talk all about that. Uh, So please make sure you don't miss next week's episode. Um, But Ricardo had um, asked me the other day after listening to the show, did I get um, the Bugs and Lola, the Bugs Bunny and Lola Bunny uh, Nike Renews, or, or which pair did I get? So I sent him the photos of the ones I got, and he sent me the link of the Bugs and Lola ones, and I gotta tell you, I was so happy, so impressed uh, with these sneakers that um, getting that text with the link from Ricardo convinced me to go ahead and buy the Bugs and Lola ones as well, because I was so happy with these, and, and when I say that Ricardo convinced me, it, it literally, if you if you know and understand the dynamic of Ricardo and I, he literally just sent me the link, and <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna get these. Um, so it's almost like he knew. Um, so yeah, but I'm, so now I'm waiting on my bugs and Lola wants to come because I thought it would be cool. I've mentioned on the show before, Jonah has the Space Jam ones, uh, the LeBron Space Jam ones. So I, I thought it would be cool. I'm not going to spend a fortune on the LeBron Space Jam ones for adults, but I thought it would at least be cool to get the Nike Renew, uh, basketball bugs and, and Lola version uh, so it's cool I'm waiting for those to come in but yeah like I'm holding my new sneakers in my hand right now as, as I do this and uh, I, I understand this sounds like a Nike commercial but seriously they're so comfortable like I'm so happy they far exceeded expectations and I'm saying this because you got to understand when you go to the store and you try sneakers on obviously you're gonna find sneakers that you love and you're comfortable with you're gonna write you're gonna try them on they're gonna feel great on your foot you're gonna be like ah these are the pair I'm so excited because I honestly just 
did this um, by sight only. I didn't know what these were going to feel like. I was really taking a gamble. I could have gotten these and they could have felt like crap. They could have been heavy. They could have not been supportive. Um, but I was just, I was really impressed um, with the product and I'm really happy if you can't tell and excited about my new sneakers. So I will update you when the Bugs and Lola Bunny ones come in as well. Don't go anywhere. I've got more show coming up for you in just a little bit. Uh, when we come back, I will talk about Jonah's broken hand. Uh, that was clearly the big news of the week for me. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Hurricane Ida in Louisiana and much, much more. So don't go anywhere. Random thoughts and best regards. We'll be back in just a short, short. Okay, so wasn't such a great week for my son and myself uh, last Tuesday. Jonah came home from school uh, with an ice pack on his hand. He, he came in the door and um, my dad called me down to come see Jonah. And I saw him with an ice pack on the hand and, and my dad was going to start to tell me a story. And Jonah was like, no, no, Grandpa, I want to tell him. So, uh, Jonah started to tell me that he was playing on the playground. They were playing tag. Um, he, it sounds like he and a friend went down the slide together, maybe, uh, to avoid being tagged. Whatever the case may be, here's what I know. Game of tag on the playground at school. A slide involved and Jonah's friend or classmate falling on his hand. So... Apparently, Jonah went to the nurse's station, got an ice pack, I can assume got checked out, and then got sent back to class. Jonah comes home, explains to me the story. I'm looking at his hand. It looks a little limp, but not necessarily swollen too bad. Um, so... You know, I'm, I'm looking at it. Clearly, it's injured, and I'm thinking maybe he sprained it or, or rolled it, something. Because it's not, you know, clearly I can tell it's injured, so to speak, but not necessarily swollen. So, okay. He says he's he's feeling okay. It hurts. He says it's feeling okay. I did ask him if he could make a fist. He told me no. I was a little bit concerned about that, but I figured, all right, well, let's, let's see where this goes. Um... You know, hopefully, it's it's not too bad, and then maybe by the morning he'll feel better. Um, so at this point now, I'm a little annoyed that I didn't get a phone call from the school or from the nurse's office because normally, whenever the procedure in the past is normally whenever the child goes to the office, we get an email or a text or something to notify us your child had a visit to the nurse's office, here's what it was for. But I'm also getting ready to go to work, so I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll deal with this tomorrow. I'll send an inquiry to why, you know, I, I didn't get anything. Uh, so I go to work. I'm in work maybe about two or three hours, and I get a call from my mom, who's watching Jonah, and she says, you know, um, Jonah says he's in a lot of pain, and he's crying. He said he wants you to come home. So I'm like, okay, well, let me talk to him. Let me see what's going on. I get on the phone, and Jonah's sobbing. And he's like, Daddy, I need you. Please come home. So at that point, you do what a dad does. And, uh, you know, so I said, okay. Um, called my manager, said, hey, look, you know, Jonah fell at school. His hand is hurting. I need to go home and see what's going on. So, okay, so I leave work, I get home, I go in to see Jonah, and his hand has almost doubled or tripled in size since I left for work, so it's, his hand is now extremely swollen. So I'm like, okay, uh, this is not good. Um, so now I'm struggling with the, it's uh, about 7.30 at night, so now I'm struggling with the, what do I do, because... I want to get him checked, but I also want to keep him safe. I want to keep my family safe. I don't want to expose him 
to anything. I don't want to expose the family to anything. So what do I do? So, okay, we, we get him in the car, uh, and I take him to an emergency clinic that's near my house. Uh, well, they're closed already. They closed at 7, so fantastic. So I, in my head at that point, still not really, I think, grasping that Jonah's hand could potentially be broken, say, okay, well, Jonah, you know, maybe do you want to go home and go to sleep? And then, you know, in the morning we'll get up early and you can stay home from school and we'll, we'll come to this, uh, you know, emergency placing and get you checked out and he was like no daddy can you keep driving and find a doctor so at that point I knew he was in pain like because he had the option to go home and he wanted to keep looking for a doctor so okay so I understand now that he's in pain so now I have no choice I'm like well buddy it's gonna have to be the ER and he says okay so now I really know I'm like all right so we drive down the road because the, the ER is not far from us either so we go and, you know, immediately he's, he's nervous. Is he going to get COVID? Like, that's the first thing as, as we're walking through the parking lot. And am I going to get COVID? Um, so I said, well, you know, Jonah, we, you have two masks on. You know, we'll try not to touch anything. We're gonna, you know, but this is, in order to get your hand checked out, this is, this is where we're at, buddy. Um, so we go into the ER. It doesn't seem too bad. There's only about five people in the waiting room, so I'm relieved by that. I, I envision, you know, of course, you always go worst-case scenario. I envision a packed waiting room with people, you know, coughing and sneezing all over the place. Uh, so there's five people in the waiting room. Everybody's pretty spread out, so I was happy about that as well. Um, again, not that that's going to stop anything, but it at least made me feel better in the moment. Um, do the whole get Jonah signed in, insurance thing, and all that. Um, so then he's, you know, kind of, I can see he's getting uncomfortable, and I can see he doesn't know how to deal with the pain, and it's tough, he's seven years old, so how do you explain to a seven-year-old who's, you know, dealing with major pain for probably the first time in his life, um, how to to handle that, uh, on top of the anxiety of, you know, he's worried about getting COVID, because he's in a hospital now, uh, they triage us, the triage nurse was very good, uh, she was cute. She was asking Jonah about his mask because he had the Titanic on it. So she was asking him if he'd been to the Titanic experience and everything, kind of taking his mind off of things. So that was great. Uh, and then they say to us, okay, we're going to send you back out at the lobby. The ER is full. It's going to be a while. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, go back out in the lobby. Still not crowded. So that's a good thing I'm sitting there and you know Jonah's starting uh you know how much longer is it gonna be and he's starting to get antsy and uh, that's understandable right and you know here I am trying to manage all this and and make sure he's okay make sure he feels all right um in the meantime I still hadn't had dinner I had to use the bathroom but like didn't want to leave him alone there were a lot of things going on so okay so luckily, as Jonah's kind of really starting to get antsy, I'm trying to get him to calm down and like lay across my lap and take a nap and he doesn't want to, he, he can't fall asleep, his hand's bothering him, all, all this. So luckily the x-ray tech comes out at that point. He's got like this wheelchair type thing. It's a chair on wheels. It looks, it's a wheelchair, but it looks modern. So Jonah thinks it's cool. Um, and he calls for Jonah and he says, you know, we're going to go get x-rays. Uh, so Jonah's, you know, little trooper hops right in the chair. He thinks the chair is cool. And we're walking in and, and an x-ray tech says to me, you know, I'm sorry uh, that you guys have to wait. Um, he's like, you know, we're just, we're slammed. Um, he's like, and it's better to have you guys wait out there because there's less people than to have you wait back here. He's like, so we're going to get you, we're going to get Jonah's x-rays done. Uh, and then we'll put you back out in the lobby until the doctor's ready for you just because it, it's better than being back here with everybody. So, okay. Uh, x-ray tech was fabulous with Jonah, and Jonah was fabulous with his x-rays. Like, for, for a kid, you know, uh, no spoilers here. I already told you Jonah's hand is broken. For a kid who had a broken hand, and at that point we still weren't sure, uh, he did everything the x-ray tech asked of him. He stood you know, he held everything still, did such a great job, even the x-ray tech was like, for somebody his age, he's doing, like, amazing, um, so does a great job with x-rays, gets one of the, the x-ray tech gives him one of those heated blankets, and Jonah just thinks, like, it's the coolest thing ever, um, he's so excited about this blanket, so back out into the lobby we go, 
and then uh, I'd say probably like another hour passes and they call us back finally they have a room for us the nurse explains to me they just clean and sanitize the room yada 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 they put us in there put Jonah on the bed and now we're waiting for the doctor so at least now Jonah has TV I put on NASA TV for him so he's watching about space he's content he actually falls asleep so now I feel good he's got his heated blanket around him he's sleeping I was like cool the time is just ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking and the doctor still hasn't come and just ticking and ticking and ticking the nurses will come and stop by but the doctor still hasn't come now granted I understand right now that there's one ER doctor and she's got a bunch of COVID patients right now that she's trying to deal with so so that's you know so the clock is ticking 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 um so Jonah wakes up after about an hour nap and is just not a happy camper. Where is the doctor? Why is it taking so long? I'm thirsty. I mean, he's just crying, 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 crying. I feel bad. He's confused. His hand hurts. It's been a long day. I, I felt so bad for him. Uh, and, you know, here I am. And mind you, I told you earlier, I still hadn't gone to the bathroom because I didn't want to leave Jonah alone. Um, I still hadn't had dinner. So I was like, it was it was it was getting tense in the room and I'm just trying to comfort Jonah um, so finally I called the nurse and I said is it possible for him to at least get some water or something because he said his throat is is dry and she said well I have to check with the doctor we're still waiting uh, for his uh, for the radiologist to read his x-rays um, let me check with the doctor so she goes and I guess she checks with the doctor and she comes back and she says well Right now, they prefer him to not have anything to drink because uh, if we have to do anything, it, it would be better for him to not have anything in his system. Uh, and she's giving me the look like without saying too much in front of Jonah. And now it's starting to hit me that, um, all right, I could be in for a long night because if there's some question, possibly even about him having to have surgery to set his hand, then so that's like kind of when it hit me that... Uh, you know, I could be it for the for the long haul here. Um, so she leaves the room, and then Jonah, again, smart kid, seven years old. Well, what else? What could they have to do? So now, uh, it's like, what do I do, right? So I start to explain to him the difference between a compound and a hairline fracture. And I said, you know, the X-ray tech said that he didn't see a compound fracture, um, but you know, we had to wait till the radiologist reads the x-rays and everything else so I'm explaining that you know when it's a compound fracture they have to put pins in to reset your hand but I don't think they're gonna have to do that Jonah but like daddy's not sure and if the doctor wants to wait we have to wait and he's you know but my throat is dry um so it's it's getting it's getting tense um he's crying so on so forth so every once in a while I get him to calm down for like 15 20 minutes um then he wanted to know what happens if um if he runs if he, if he cries so much he runs out of tears so then in order to try to lighten the mood I told him well I guess you're just going to make a lot of funny noises then um that didn't go over so well but uh you know he he laughed a little um so I I tried to keep him amused we I sang songs to him I sang Jonah and I always have this thing about sing, singing silly songs so I was kind of doing that um so finally the doctor comes in and um you know she apologizes for the way everything else now mind you it's probably like I don't know 11 30 midnight now uh we got to the hospital around eight um and she breaks the news to us that Jonah has a fracture in the center of his hand. Um, so now, in the midst of dealing with all this, I'm even more livid that I wasn't notified with the school, uh, by the school. And I'm not going to go too into depth here about that on air because I've had a full conversation with the principal and, you know, it, it is it is well known how, how upset and how unacceptable um, that is and was and um so that that piece separate side story is that piece is being addressed and, and taken care of um so so now we're, doctor does a great job of explaining to jonah that his hand is broken she also compliments him on doing so well in x-rays because had he not stayed still had he not had they not been able to take so many images of his hand um 
they might have missed it. So she said, you know, great job by Jonah. So she said, you know, we're gonna um, we're gonna put him in a splint, and uh, you know, next week he'll have to see the the children's orthopedist, uh, and then you know they'll take another set of X-rays. It'll give the chance chance for the swelling to go down. Then they'll put the hard cast on him. So she explains everything to me. Okay, so she's like, you know, so uh, just sit tight. We're gonna come back in a little bit. We'll take measurements and we'll put his uh, his splint on. Um, so now it's kind of funny because in a way, even while he's in pain, uh, Jonah thinks it's kind of cool that he broke a bone. (laughs) Kids are going to be kids, right? Seven years old. Now, all of a sudden he thinks it's kind of cool that he, he broke a bone. Um, so they finally come in, uh, again, after waiting some more, which I felt bad for him because he was like, what's taking so long? How come she didn't come back yet? You know, um, Again, it's been a very long day and a very long night for him at this point. Um, So um, they do the splint. They put him in a sling. um, They give him his ibuprofen and some painkiller, and um, he's he's good to go. Um, And he was just such a little trooper. It was 1.30 in the morning when we got released from the ER, and, um, you know, Jonah had his his arm in a sling and his, uh, you know, his, his splint and, and we got in the car and he did such a good job trying to lift his, you know, lift his injured uh, hand up in the sling so I could get the seatbelt around him. Like he was such a, such a trooper. And then he was so excited on the way home because this was the latest he ever stayed up. He'd never been up this late. Um, and just, it was a whole thing. We got home. He, he wound up staying up till three o'clock in the morning because he was so excited. This is the latest, uh, he ever stayed up. Um, and then he slept like through the night. I don't think he got up to like 10, 10 30, um, the next day. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's so that, that's where we're at. Uh, you know, he broke his hand and, and he'll get his hard cast. Um, poor little guy was supposed to start basketball camp on Monday. Uh, clearly that's, that's not going to happen. And I feel bad for him cause you know, he was home on hybrid all last year. So he missed, he missed that. Um, and now, you know, he's going to miss this. It's going to be about six to eight weeks. So he's going to miss all basketball camp, but I told him at least he'll have his hand good to go for trick or treating for Halloween. Um, you know, and now we're just monitoring. Uh, now I'm just making sure that no like sniffles or cold or fever or anything pop up since we were in the hospital. Um, I've been wearing my mask even around the house now, uh, just as a protective measure, uh, because we were in the ER and I don't know what we were exposed to. Uh, but it was just really rough and it's scary, you know, like it, it sucks now because to think, you know, in the past, you hurt, you hurt yourself, you injure yourself, you just go to the ER and you're just focusing on the injury, right? And now in this pandemic that we're living in, it was freakishly scary to go to the ER because it was like, you know, what, what am I, I, I have to take him to to relieve his pain right now and to get this you know set at least but what 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 risk am i taking what what am i exposing us to what you know what am i exposing jonah to uh you know me is is one thing um i'm vaccinated i'm you know i'm an adult whatever but you know uh jonah's too young to be vaccinated jonah's a kid and you know what am i exposing him to what could i possibly be be bringing home you know to my family so there were there was a lot of anxiety, uh, believe me, there was a lot of anxiety inside me as we were sitting in the waiting room and then uh, I, was, I was kind of pensive and, and anxious when we were, were back in the room. Um, again, it was, it, was, it was good, we were in a room, the doors were closed, whatever, but it was still just it was a very anxious feeling. And then of course I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my son, I'm angry that the school didn't notify me uh you know there's just a lot going on and then to find out he had a broken hand I just I felt so bad for him um but he's been a little trooper he's he's hanging in there and and he's doing well and uh you know I'm just hoping now for a speedy and quick recovery for him today's random thought has anyone else ever wondered how long Carol and Mike Brady dated before they actually got married. And that's today's Random Thought. 
Hi, I'm Dana. And you might remember me from such random thoughts and best regards episodes as the Great British Bake Off and explaining true crime. Todd is as handsome as they come and has a voice to match. And you're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Listen to in over a dozen countries on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen, laugh. So the dumpster fire that is ESPN continues to rage out of control. Um, For the last three to five years, this place has just been a mess. And uh, literally, uh, I think the best that we could call it is a dumpster fire. Um, It's definitely kind of sad to see. Uh, As I mentioned before, I I spent uh, a lot of years working for the Walt Disney Company, spent five years in corporate, made a lot of friends at ESPN, have a lot of friends still in the HR department. And it's really kind of sad to see the decline of the company um, and the quality of television uh, decline over the past few years. And uh, this week, again, I mean, at what point do we stop calling it a, a dumpster fire and just call it a, you know, uh, a wildfire? Um, it, it's just, it's out of control there. Um, it was announced last week, I believe, that uh, Max Kellerman would be removed from first take. And I'm finger quoting, there would be a uh, rotating guest host put in with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, again, first take one of the better shows, one of the better shows rating-wise. Not quite sure why ESPN would go this route, but really, who knows what they do and why they do it, especially over the last few months. Um, You know, about uh, maybe almost two years ago now, we saw the departure of Carrie Champion. There was uh, a lot revolving around that. And then, of course, you know, this summer, there was the issue between Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols. I say issue between Maria and and Rachel, but with that, understand that uh, I don't mean the parties themselves had an issue with each other, um, but things kind of got out of control with the way ESPN handled things. Um, And then this week, the reason why I call ESPN dumpster fire is uh, this week ESPN has pulled Rachel Nichols from NBA coverage and uh, essentially this is the end of her run at the company so here's the thing if you're not familiar with the story because if you don't know Maria Taylor smartly took her bag and went over to the good guys uh, came over to NBC and you know is now going to be doing Sunday night football we saw her appear at the Olympics like she she made she she jumped off the Titanic and made sure she got on a lifeboat uh out to either Burbank or or New York um and I think she's going to do just fine in in her career because as I said before she is an amazing amazing talent in fact I would like to see her replace Mike Tirico as the host of the Olympics at some point I said that when Dana and Marvin were on the show we were doing the Olympic uh Review. I said, I, I feel like the time is right for uh, all the things that Maria represents to, to take that host year at the Olympics. But time will tell what happens there. Um, but let me go ahead and, and recap a little. So let's let's go back to, to July. Um, Maria Taylor last year replaced Rachel Nichols as the NBA studio host. Um... Apparently, back in the pandemic, the bubble, uh, the NBA bubble here in Orlando, um, Rachel Nichols was recorded making some comments. At the time, Rachel did not know she was being recorded. There is some gray area of how long ESPN knew about these comments. There are some people that are saying they they knew about them for a while and just chose not to do anything about it until they were made public. Um, Then, in a bit of odd timing, so almost a year later, almost a full year later from when those comments were actually recorded and, and a few weeks before uh, Maria's contract is about to expire with ESPN and she had turned down an offer uh, from ESPN to stay. At the time we didn't know that, but she had turned down an offer from ESPN to stay. Um, these comments came out. And let me go ahead and read to you the comments for those who are unaware of the story. Again, these came out, at, I want to say, late July. It was towards the end of the NBA Finals. Um, this is a quote from Rachel Nichols. This is, she did not know she was being recorded when she said this. I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. 
She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy long-time record of diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me or taking my things away. I just want them to go somewhere else. It's in my contract. By the way, this job is in my contract in writing. So that last tidbit, I think, is huge because that just further goes to show you ESPN's mismanagement, ineptness. Like, they're just a poorly run company right now, and we are seeing it time and time and time again, incident after incident after incident. We're seeing it. So it was in Rachel Nichols' contract that she hosts NBA Countdown during the finals. ESPN chose to give the assignment to Maria Taylor. Now, knowing very well, I, I would think they would have to know, or they couldn't be that ignorant, right? They had to understand that they could potentially be in breach of contract there, right? So this entire thing was just ignited by ESPN, by either their arrogance or their ineptness. So which is it? Was it your arrogance or your ineptness, ESPN? Either you dropped the ball and somebody didn't realize that it was actually written in Rachel Nichols' contract that she hosts NBA Countdown during the finals, or you were just arrogant and you thought you could replace her and she would just, I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but she would just be the good little woman and shut up. Well, clearly, neither one of those instances happened, right? And again, listen, I'm not saying that was the right or wrong decision from ESPN. I'm not saying that Maria Taylor is is a better uh, broadcaster than Rachel Nichols. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy Maria Taylor on NBA Countdown. I thought she did a fabulous job. Is she more than capable of handling that show? Absolutely. Let me tell you something. I will defend ESPN in this point. They, now, see, so, but they did make a mistake. But I will defend them in this point. Maria Taylor is one hell of a talent. And anything you throw at her, she handles so well. She's done college football. She's done um, the NBA draft. She's done, like, she's, she's done everything. And she's handled it so well. And her career is only going to continue to shine. Um, the problem is... Part of the problem is ESPN, as sad as this is, ESPN, and we saw this with Carrie Champion, again, ESPN can only focus on one minority at a time. And they put all their eggs in one basket. And they just focus, instead of developing multiple minorities, multiple women, multiple ethnicities, they, they, put, they put all their eggs in one basket in the fact that Maria Taylor was a woman, a woman, and she was African-American, and they pushed her to the moon as she deserved to be, talent-wise, absolutely, absolutely, one of the best in the business, but what ESPN should have been doing is preparing the second string, the third string, the fourth string, they, they should have been creating the line that would move and succeed and carry the brand through year after year after year after year, because what happens then? What happens if and when Maria leaves, which she did? Now, right, you have this, Maria's still under contract, you have this situation with Rachel Nichols. These become public, you're now scrambling, you're now playing defense, you're now trying to put out a fire. So instead of being proactive, you're reactive. I can't say that that's not a company trait that I've known for years at the Walt Disney Company, but instead of being proactive, you're reactive. Maria Taylor, still under contract at the time, hosting the NBA Finals. These comments come out, you have to take action against Rachel Nichols. You do that. You suspend Rachel Nichols, you take her off the air. NBA Finals end, Maria Taylor's contract expires, and about two weeks later, she's on primetime coverage of the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, working for NBC. And I'll tell you firsthand, this is the God's honest truth. 
I was in the video I tell, and when she popped up on that screen, I popped like a like a teenager. I was so excited uh, and so happy for her, and I laughed as I sat back down because I was like, "How? How does ESPN let that happen?" So now Maria's gone, right? So you figure you would think that slowly, right? Slowly now, you would let let Maria's existence at ESPN fade out of the limelight and then slowly you'd bring Rachel Nichols back into the fold right because you need a host and a competent host and you know she's done a good job regardless of whether you agree with her comments or not regardless of whether you think her comments are right or wrong she's done a good job right I mean that's why it was written in a previous contract that she be the host of NBA Countdown like and what do you do now now you remove her so now not only did you lose Maria Taylor but you've lost Rachel Nichols I just don't understand anything that ESPN is doing right now even to the to removing Max Kellerman from first take I, I mean this goes back even to you know they uh Golick and Golick uh Mike, Golick and Golick um Mike and Mike Mike Greenberg and Mike Golick uh you know they, they split them up they put Greeny on, on the the morning show and it's never been the same the ratings aren't the same um and that's again no reflection on mike greenberg mike greenberg i think is also great at his job um but i just don't understand the decision making process at espn and it is affecting the brand and and it is affecting the quality of television i mean espn is really hard to watch lately um i mean you have to it it you have to you know, I think back to when I was in college and in my early 20s, uh, late 20s, you know, I could sit and watch ESPN all day long. It's a struggle for me to get through a sports center right now. Like it, it is, it's just not good television. They just continuously make mistakes. And, and right now, companies like uh, NBC, Turner Sports, they're all capitalizing on ESPN's missteps. And, you know, sure, ESPN does have the big contracts for the NBA, now the NHL, but that doesn't make them a, a good, you know, uh, broadcasting company right now. They are a mess. They are a dumpster fire. And I'll call it now. It would not surprise me, especially with her basketball history, it would not surprise me if Rachel Nichols winds up at Turner Sports sooner than later. Um, it, it is just wild to me that ESPN mishandled this situation so badly that here we are in, in late August. Um, I guess maybe that scenario happened in June. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little little off. I think I was thinking about when the NBA Finals were last year. Um, maybe not. Who knows? It's all a blur. Um, but, you know, you figure in a three-month span, let's call it the summer, right? A three-month span from June to August, this incident pops up on the radar. People are talking about it. Maria Taylor out at ESPN, signs a new contract with NBC, and now Rachel Nichols pulled off the air, uh, having her duties taken away, essentially putting her out at ESPN, and, and we'll see where she lands. Like I said, I would not be surprised if she shows up at Turner Sports sooner than later. Um, but ESPN, and ESPN needs some help. Anybody want to send them a, a fire extinguisher or some kind of fire suppressant? Uh, they, they could use anything right now because it is just a mess up in Bristol. Some sad news coming out of Hollywood this past weekend, and let me go ahead and read this off of a wire. Ed Asner, legendary actor, activist, and philanthropist, passed away peacefully Sunday morning surrounded by family. He was 91 years old. Asner, former president of the Screen Actors Guild, is best known for his role as Lou Grant on both The Mary Tyler Moore Show and its spinoff, Lou Grant, uh, pulling off the rear feet of playing the same character in both a comedy and a drama series. I think I've mentioned on this show before, uh, I, I know I've definitely mentioned my love for sitcoms before, um, but I, I love The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Um, I love the Dick Van Dyke show, like, things that those were all in my wheelhouse. I still watch them, uh, you know, when I get a chance every now and again. Um, 
but Ed Ad, Ed Asner as, as Luke Grant was just fantastic on that show and such a huge part of the success of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, it's just uh, you know he he had a great career um, and it is it is sad to see him go. Uh, he is a uh, Hollywood legend. Uh, most definitely. Uh, he is the most awarded male performer in Emmy history with seven wins, five of them for playing the aforementioned Grant. Um, he also received a Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award in 2001. Um, some younger generations may be familiar with Ed Asner for different reasons. Um, Ed Asner's long list of credits also include the movies Elf, um, which is one of several movies where he played Santa Claus. Um, but yes, Ed Asner was often cast as Santa Claus. And uh, for the movie Elf, he played Santa Claus. Another one, uh, and this is a big one that a lot of people um, may not have realized, um, he was Carl Fredrickson's voice in the Oscar-winning movie Up, the Pixar Oscar-winning movie Up. Uh, he was the voice of Carl Fredrickson. Um, so again, a legendary career for Ed Asner. Uh, he was born November 15th, 1929 in Kansas City. Going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. Um, again, just a legendary, legendary career. Um, he he did comedy series. He did so so many. So he could do it all. He could do comedy. He could do drama. Uh, just a fantastic actor. There's there's a reason why uh, he has won so many awards and why he is an absolute legend uh, when it comes to Hollywood and it comes to on-screen television roles. So our thoughts and prayers with the Asner family uh, and Godspeed to Ed himself. That's right, get your popcorn because it's time for another edition of Talkin' Shiz About the Lakers, cause Baran asked us to. The Los Angeles Lakers, giving new meaning to veteran leadership. Sunday marked the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina and the devastation that it inflicted on the city of New Orleans, Louisiana. And sadly, oddly enough, uh, the anniversary of Katrina this past Sunday, Louisiana got mollywhopped by another hurricane, Hurricane Ida, uh, the fifth Category 4 hurricane to hit Louisiana. Uh, landfall was made just west of Grand Isles. Um, there have been 11 retired storms that started with the letter I. I believe Ida is going to be the 12th. Uh, the last, I would assume, would have been Irma, uh, which we dealt with here in Florida. Um, but Ida came ashore um, with, with malice in her eye, so to speak, uh, and, and, and bad intentions to follow. Um, the hurricane had up to 150 mile an hour winds. Uh, it, when it came on land, it was a 20 mile wide inner eye wall, a 50 mile wide outer eye wall. There were waves in the Gulf that were 70 feet tall. Um, so that's about three to four stories tall. So, so imagine waves crashing down that are three to four stories tall. That, that's, that's the type of waves uh, and the type of energy that this storm was generating. Um, there were, uh, on a conversation that the Weather Channel had with uh, the Grand Isle Police Chief, there were four feet of water outside the Grand Isle Police Station uh, early Sunday uh, afternoon. Uh, roofs were being ripped off buildings in Grand Isle, um, just, a, just a, a messy, bad situation along the, I guess you'd call that the southern coast of Louisiana, right? Um, it did not come in on the, uh, it came in, we'll call it southwest of New Orleans, uh, so it sort of is coming up the backside of New Orleans instead of straight in 
like Katrina did. Um, however, though, in New Orleans itself, there were white caps on the Mississippi River as well as Lake Pontchartrain. Um, so both of those bodies of water had white caps. That's how how strong and forceful the winds were. Um, there were gusts of over 60 mile an hour winds in New Orleans, uh, sometimes up to 70 mile an hour uh, uh, winds. There were uh, a tremendous amount of damage done in the French Quarter, a lot of awnings and, and things. Even though they did their best to secure things, there were a lot of things that, that came loose and, and came ajar, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, as this monster storm just ripped into southern Louisiana and now um, is just buzzsawing. Well, I shouldn't say buzzsawing because it, 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 it did not move quickly um, through uh, the coast, the Gulf Coast, but it is it is laboring through and just causing, you know, a lot of flooding, a lot of damage. It's just terrible. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's always a tough... Uh, anytime New Orleans, Louisiana has to deal with a hurricane, it's, it's always a tough time for them, especially this time of year, because they have those flashbacks, those memories of Katrina, um, you know, and that's like nothing this country or nothing any city in this country has, has ever faced in, in terms of a storm. I mean, you know, we here in Orlando had to deal with Hurricane Charlie uh, in the early 2000s, and then a few years ago, Hurricane Irma. Um, but nothing like what New Orleans faced with Katrina and what those poor people went through with the flooding. Um, luckily, uh, the levees since Katrina have been re-engineered and, and the levees were holding. Uh, 99 out of uh, 96 out of 99 pumps were working. So that those were all things that helped um, the city of New Orleans, um, but a lot of other coastal areas in Louisiana really just uh, took a beating. So our thoughts and prayers are with all the people um, in that area. I mean, clearly they're probably not listening to the show this week because they have a lot of better things to do. Um, and, you know, they're, they're trying to get their lives back in order after this massive hurricane. But uh, I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about this and just let them know that, that our thoughts and prayers are with them. And, and we hope for a speedy recovery in terms of power, food, um, all of those things. You know, this is also a scary situation because it puts even more stress on our healthcare workers. Like, think of think of the healthcare workers in Southern Louisiana and New Orleans. You've got you've got COVID nineteen and Hurricane Ida just just colliding uh, in emergency rooms, right? Like, you know, these, these healthcare workers are inundated as it is with COVID patients, and now on top of it, you could possibly have an influx into emergency rooms with people who need. Um, you know, treatment, uh, emergency treatment due to this hurricane. It's just such a strain um, on the emergency system. And then you think about it, these, a lot of these doctors and nurses now, uh, because of hurricane procedures, hurricane preparedness, have to stay at the hospitals for a few days now. So that's figuring out the logistics of places for them to stay, where they can be safe, places for them to eat, places for them to have their own, you know, like spacing everything out so that people are, are safe and there's no, you know, uh, no increased risk of, of COVID-19. Uh, that sounds silly to say, um, but it, it's wild. Like I know, I, I talked about earlier in the show, just, just going to an emergency room the other night with Jonah. Uh, I know how I felt. I, I can't imagine what, and that's in a normal, you know, uh, atmosphere with, where it's just a, a, a normal night in the ER. Uh, now you're talking about, you know, a uh, hurricane situation on top of treating all these COVID-19 patients. It's really, uh, it's a tough situation. And, and again, I, I feel for our healthcare workers. Um, they are they are beyond heroes right now. They are they are definitely superheroes, uh, and that's across the country, not just not just in New Orleans and in Louisiana, but across the country. They are all superheroes. But uh, especially right now, just uh, thinking of those uh, healthcare workers in, in Louisiana and New Orleans who are having to deal and juggle with so many things right now. Not that there is anything funny about this, but I did see a very uh, funny tweet that made me laugh. It was a video from New Orleans prior to the storm somebody was doing their preparedness at uh their prepping and they were in the grocery store and they showed the chip aisle in, in a local grocery store in new orleans and it was it was barren like so many chips there were no chips left like it's you know people people are preparing 
for for hurricanes they're they're getting all their uh you know all their stuff together and you know snacks are a large part of that so anyway the chip aisle is barren except on the bottom shelf think of your growth think of your chip aisle in the grocery store right so imagine barren shelves and then on the bottom shelf there's about two rows of eight bags of ruffles that are still on the shelf and the ruffles have anthony davis on them and I just busted out laughing because if you follow the NBA, if you follow the history, I don't know if anybody knows it, but there might be some people listening to the show that's like, why is that funny, Todd? Anthony Davis used to play for the New Orleans, Pel- New Orleans Pelicans. He was drafted by the New Orleans Pelicans. He played there for a few years. Some stuff went down. He kind of forced a trade and got himself uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, people in New Orleans... New Orleans are still bitter AF about this uh, and that right there <laughs> proved how bitter they are <laughs> they they rather they rather you know they, they're given a choice of you know have snacks to eat during the hurricane or or not eat and they're like now nah, you know what you can keep your Anthony Davis ruffles uh, I, I'll find something else to eat like like that's that's where they're still at uh, when it comes to their bitterness for Anthony Davis, but again, no, no laughing matter uh, with Hurricane Ida. But I, I saw that uh, that clip the other day on Twitter, and it, and it did make me laugh that the shelves were barren uh, in a New Orleans grocery store, except for a few bags of Ruffles, which had Anthony Davis's picture on the front of them. I've talked a lot on this show, and just even personally in conversation about how I feel sometimes the legacy of Larry Bird, the the former uh, NBA legend uh, of the Boston Celtics, how sometimes his legend um, or his legacy is kind of lost a little bit with current generations. And and it surprises me a little bit. And uh, Jamal Mashburn was recently on the Knuckleheads podcast and he told a story about Larry Bird that was absolutely fantastic and it's exactly what I mean when I talk about Larry Bird and just how different Larry was like I don't know how else to explain it kids but Larry was different um, of course for those who don't know Larry Bird the former Celtic great uh, had a amazing career uh, a 13 year NBA career, uh, three NBA titles, two NBA Finals MVPs, three regular season MVPs, 12 All Star selections, nine NBA first team nods, and of course the retirement uh, of number 33 in the rafters of the Boston Garden. Now, Larry was on the 92 Olympic Dream Team, and on the Knuckleheads podcast, Jamal Mashburn was referencing when. Um, there was a, a scrimmage between the Dream Team and, and a, a group of college players to get ready, to get the Dream Team ready um, for the Olympics, and the Dream Team lost that game. This is a, if you don't know, this is a famous story, and, and a lot of people think that uh, this was a little bit of mind games by Chuck Daly uh, to get the Dream Team ready for the, for the Olympic Games. It's a great story. You should research it. Um, but they lost, and that got the college kids feeling a little cocky, a little arrogant. Uh, one of those players uh, is a guy, former Denver Nugget, who I was a big fan of. Uh, I used to call him the Rim Rocker because that's what he was, and, and that was Rodney Rogers. And Rodney made the mistake of trash-talking Larry Bird. And Jamal Mashburn lays out the story of of what happened uh apparently rogers says something to the group of dream team members uh and i believe maybe magic johnson heard it larry didn't we we don't know what the exact specifics are but basically what roger says is hey larry you ain't hit a jumper since 84 um according to mashburn magic heard that shit they didn't think anything of it but then the next day when they came in and Jamal Mashburn says he's never seen anything like that. And this is what I want the younger generation. This is what I want kids to understand. This is what I want, you know, my son Jonah to understand someday. Um, Magic and Larry, it was just a different breed. And Larry was a different breed. So they come into the gym that day. 
and Magic feeds Larry the ball probably about eight or nine different times in a row down court. Larry got the ball every time with Rodney Rogers on him, and every time he was about to make the move, he would tell Rogers what he was going to do. One dribble, pull up, going left, glass, bucket. One dribble, going right, spin, shot, bucket. And Mashburn tells a story how this just happened over and over and over. Uh, he said it had to be at least eight or nine times in a row that Larry just did this to, to Rodney Rogers and just thoroughly thrashed him. And then he just, in typical Larry fashion, uh, left the court and, and went and, and lay down on the sidelines. And then from the sidelines said, young fella, look like 84, huh? Um, and that was just, that was just Larry Bird. I mean, he was just a different breed. And I talk about that. Like sometimes when I reference Kobe Bryant, I say Kobe Bryant was a different breed. Kobe Bryant was a, was a lot on those same lines as Larry when it just came to, he could, he could just do it when he wanted to. You know, everybody always thinks about Michael Jordan taking over a game. And we've kind of built up this legacy that, that Michael Jordan is, is the only person who could take over a game. Go back and watch Larry Bird, or go back and read the stories about him, you know, trash talking Patrick Ewing, and then and then going off in a game. Talk about I forget who he was playing the one time, um, but he was playing. They, they were playing against somebody, and he went up to the opposing team, and he said, "I feel like 45 tonight," and then literally hit like 45 points by like the third quarter, and then just sat on the bench for the rest of the night. Like that was Larry Bird. He could call his own shot. He was that damn good and I, I don't think that people understand how good he was I also don't know if people understand how much of a shit talker he was and I think I think that's what makes me love Larry Legend even more is the fact that he was so good he talked shit about it and he could back it up um, but I, I thought this was a great story that uh, Jamal Mashburn retold I never knew of this story, so every time I hear another chapter in this legacy of Larry Bird, I love it, and I definitely think sometime in a future episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards, we have to have a bigger, larger conversation uh, about Larry Bird's career and his legacy, because I really think the younger generation uh, needs to understand just how good Larry was in so many different facets of the game. Alright, that's going to do it for another episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. As always, I want to thank everybody for joining us this week. Hey, I want to ask that you do me a big favor. I want everybody to circle their calendars. I know every Tuesday there's an episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards, and I appreciate all the support over three seasons. Next Tuesday, September 7th, circle your calendars because a very special episode will drop. As you know, Saturday, September 11th, will mark the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City. We're going to drop a very special episode next Tuesday, again, September 7th, in honor of that. And... As I mentioned at the top of the show, Ricardo's going to be on that show. We will be talking about nothing else this episode, except the events that took place on September 11, 2001, and Ricardo will tell his story from inside the World Trade Center, from inside the South Tower, between floors 42 to 44 what he went through that day and the impact that it had on him and so many others. It is going to be a very special episode. If you listen to the show, please make sure that you do not miss next week's episode. Also, I want to ask that you share next week's episode. Please post it on Facebook. Do whatever because I think so many people 
need to hear this episode and need to hear this story. Uh, it's been a year in the making. I will tell you that Ricardo came to me uh, last year. I believe it was either shortly before September 11th or afterwards and said, hey, I think next year for the 20th anniversary, we need, we need to get my story down. We need to get my story recorded um, and, and have, uh, you know, have, a, have a history of it. Um, you will get that next Tuesday, September 7th. So please don't miss a very special episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards next week because it will be a survivor's story. You will hear firsthand. You know you love Ricardo. He's appeared on this show many times. You're going to see and hear a different side of him next week because you're going to hear the side of him that is the 9-11 survivor. So please go ahead and make sure you listen to next week's show. I hope you enjoy this week's show as well. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And we will indeed see you back here next Tuesday. So in the meantime, remember, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes. Stay positive. Test negative. Do what you know is right, regardless of the choices others make. Say I love you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Remember to look down the side streets because that's where the best stories are. And when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Thanks for listening to my dad's show.